This is Geek Punk. Hello, welcome to Planetary Union Network, the Orville Fan Podcast. I'm Dan Taylor, and with me, as always, is Mr. Joe Quickle. How are you, Joe? Hey, Dan. How's it going? Good. And Michael May, you're with us this time as well? Yeah, finally. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, no worries. And we've got a special guest. We've got Mr. Scott Grimes. Scott, thank you for joining us. How are you? Guys, I am rad. Thanks for having me. This is a pleasure. You are red. You have quite the following on Twitter. Did you say I'm red? Red <laughs> or rad? Oh, rad. I swear to God, I said I was rad. And then I thought you said you are red. I think it's clipped, <laughs> man. we got to rewind that. <laughs> but it's true. I'm red and rad. <laughs> um, yeah, it's almost a rabbit fan base, I would say. <laughs> it's uh well you know it's so funny about Twitter man because I just since the show started I've been I've been working since I was a kid and you know my friend Alyssa not to name drop <laughs> Alyssa Milano uh, got me on Twitter and she said watch your your numbers going to grow your numbers going to grow and they really didn't and it took me forever just to get to like a thousand and then since Orville was on holy mackerel it's like been huge and people are uh, following me so. I'm not really good at all that yet, but yeah. uh, I'm working on it. Um, so did anybody prepare you? Like uh, when Jonathan Frakes was on to direct the episode Priya, did he have some insight on how um, fanatic us science fiction fans can be? Uh, yeah. I mean, he, he, you know, it's so funny. I think it was different. I think it was different back then with his show because this, it, the, there's more shows now, I guess, that uh, deal with science fiction and, uh, you know, Agents of the Shield. There's a lot of shows that are on. Back then, you really, if you were, if you were looking for a science fiction show, it was his show. So I think it's, it's, it's been, it's lesser now, but um, also I believe Orville needs to, to it's got to be on for a little while longer before it deserves that you know, that, that fandom kind of thing that happens. Um, I think so. Anyway, I think people are still watching it. Like, okay, do I, do I give this my full attention? Do I commit to this? Uh, which I'm fine with doing, you know, uh, but I'm, he did. Yeah. He told me if you get a little, I think it's awesome. I mean, me, first of all, I like people. So anywhere I've noticed that Orville, uh, different than like a show called like ER that I did, people want to go up, come up to me now and talk to me. And I'm, I'm just, a, I like people anyway, so I don't mind it. Um, so are you eagerly anticipating your, um, Malloy action figure? <laughs> I'm waiting for it, man. People are <laughs> drawing cartoons like crazy and sending them to me. And I think that's awesome that people take the time to do this, but the action figure, I don't know, man. Is it weird to like play with your own action figure? Is there a law against that? I, well, I wouldn't know. I'm I'm so far from having my. Own. They don't give action figures to podcast hosts yet. Hey, uh, hey man, you never know. I might just to, uh, just to thank you guys for this. I'll I'll make your <laughs> you'll send me pictures of yourself, and then I'll make your uh, action figure. All right, so let's uh, talk a little bit about how you ended up um, sitting in at the helm at the Orville. Um, obviously, you knew Seth through American Dad and such. When was his pitch like, hey, come on board and play in the sandbox? Yeah, it was, uh, it was really interesting. And like I've told, I've told people before, it's a very rare thing that happens in Hollywood when someone like Seth especially, but anybody really, you know, walks up to your, you know, we've been friends for 20, easily 20 years, him and I, just through mutual friends. And we were um, at a party a year and a half ago or something like that, maybe two years ago. And uh, we went outside to have a drink and he mentioned to me he said scott would you ever want to do television again and i'm which i find hilarious because he thought i was so busy that i would i wouldn't have time for him and it was just the opposite i wasn't working at all and i said of course man for you anything and he said well i'm doing this show and stuff about nothing didn't really explain about it 
And then I forgot about it. And six months later, we were at another party uh, for American Dad or something. And he said, hey, remember that thing I was talking about? Would you, are you still interested? And I'm like, yeah, dummy, I'm still interested, uh, of course. <laughs> but again, I never thought that it would, it would it, not that anything would happen with it. And then I get a call from my agent saying, Seth wants you for this new show. I mean, you, I still had to go in and read with him to make sure that the chemistry was good and all that. But it's very rare in Hollywood that somebody kind of not makes a promise to you, but mentions something like that, and it follows through with it. Um, and it's just testament to who he is. He had this idea and wanted these certain people. And when Seth wants something, not only you know does he get it because he he's earned that, but he also he also can't get it out of his mind. He's that kind of guy. If he wants the color blue on a on a uniform, there's a reason for it. He does. He might not even know why. He gets the color blue, uh, and he wanted to, you know, he wanted me as his as his best pal. So it's really cool that I didn't, because I probably wouldn't have gotten this part if it was just, you know, me and a hundred guys auditioning. Uh, so that that that's very, it's very cool that that my that my friend thought of me and hired me. So when you um you said you went in and read like for the chemistry, did you was that just with Seth, or did you read with like Jay Lee as well, or? Well, yeah, that was that's funny because. Um, Seth kept apologizing to me and saying, I'm sorry you have to come in and read. And I totally understand that process. Um, uh, and so he said, you know, but the problem is, is I was more nervous for something that was, he was saying was my part, you know, because <laughs> one, you don't want to disappoint your, you don't want to disappoint your friend. Um, and two, uh, I, I, for some reason, I just thought, oh my God, this is going to be worse. Because what if I do go in there and everything he says about, said about me in front of all these network people was, uh, you know, he, he looked embarrassed for, for me not doing a good job. Other things, Jay Lee was there. Um, and after Seth and I did the thing, it went so well, Seth and I. It was like, it, it, was, it, was, it was really, you know, the, cam- the comedy was there and we improved a bit. And then he said, hey, will you stick around and hang with Jay Lee and do a scene with Jay Lee? And I did. I stuck around, and Jay Lee and I read something, and then improv something. Where and then that came the kind of relationship that John and Gordon kind of you see today. That kind of banter, that kind of stupid, you know, banter that we have. It came from that audition. Speaking of that, now that John's moving departments, who, who's going to sit next to you at the helm? Well, that you know, in, in any freshman year of a show, what happened there is, I, I think Seth didn't really he thought that we were the same person like you know uh, and didn't i don't think he realized at the time how much the audience really kind of liked john and i together kind of like uh, you know the the critics of the front of the ship um and so at you know when we were filming which was uh, a long six months ago he thought he'd break us up and um i think i think we're definitely going to be but he's going to be back there uh, I think John can do a ton of stuff because now we know that he's a he's genius and uh, unlike mm-hmm. Gordon, who's a dummy. But um, I think you're definitely going to see us, you know, back together, you know, friendship again. That's great. Yeah, because yeah. uh, since um, the beginning of the show, especially here at, on, on our podcast, we were, we've been praising, like you said, the um, commentating that you that you two do up at the front of the uh, the bridge. It's almost. Um, like uh, and Michael know their names, the old guys from the Muppet Show. That's what I say. <laughs> Stadler and Waldorf. I never remember their ever remember their fucking names. Stadler and Waldorf. Right? <laughs> Stadler and yep. Waldorf. That's what I say all the time. I think Stadler and Waldorf. There you go. Um, now we're talking about coming on to the show. Uh, got a Twitter question from me from Bria Glarden. And other than Seth being your friend, what made you want to join the show? Well, I mean, it's a it's a childhood dream of mine. Anyway, to pretend I'm like I'm in space. Um, uh, that that's just you know, my my father, who I'm standing next to right now, you know, for one of the first movies he ever showed me was Forbidden Planet, and uh, I just fell in love with science fiction right away and space travel and all that. And um, so that first of all, um, I just like, even though this has something to do with Seth, I just like. I think it's the reason why I, I, American Dad, I'm on American Dad as well. I just like his words. I like how he writes a line. It's very, not only is it funny, he's, it, it's, he just speaks like, like nobody else. 
um, he, he kind of speaks like people think, but are afraid kind of to say it. And um, that to me, and, and because I've been doing American Dad so long, the words just came easy to me. Uh, the, the, the acting, if you will, because it was just easier to, you know, because I've been doing it kind of on American Dad for so long. Um, so that, um, and just, you know, working with uh, being on a bridge, man. You know, there's been very few shows where there's a bridge and, and, and you're, you know, you're driving a ship. I just thought that was really cool. You know, it's not the outfits because I'll tell you, I wear orange and a redhead should never wear orange. <laughs> oh, that, uh, we're having um, the costume designer on next week, I think. So we'll be sure to bring that up with him. Oh, you are? Yeah. It's really weird. I mean, I never said anything and it's not my place <laughs> to say anything, but it's like the, the worst color that a, a redhead can wear is orange. I don't know. Uh, I can't do anything about it. It's rank, right? It's like <laughs> lieutenants wear orange. And, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, you got to get out of that department. Um, That's exactly right. Now, we've some of us have read about it. I don't think we've talked about it on the show, but there's something special about the bridge there on the Orville. It's not a bunch of green screens, correct? No, no. We have um, a 180-degree uh, screen that... Is I think it's made I think it's made up of thousands of little screens, um, and so when we're they'll show you know when, when they'll show us the star field they'll show us when we go into Quantum Drive and it's it's really tough not to think that you're not in a, you know it's a simulator of course but your stomach feels exactly what your stomach would feel they show us previs stuff of the battles that we're about to go into and yeah that's 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 completely um, that's that works right there that whole the screen and it really helps uh, as an actor i guess to not have to pretend you know um i have yet to do any blue green screen work on this show um it's all pretty much there and all you know the models and the you know we're getting into the shuttle it's a big shuttle that was built you know that you can't drive it obviously it's not a real working shuttle but it's mostly practical stuff yeah um no that's and i think um that the, the 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 practical of it of the the elements that apply are applied to the show as well as you brought up earlier Seth's dialogue something about the way people talk the characters talk on the Orville now while it may be a show very similar to say Star Trek or one of the various Star Trek incarnations but the way people talk on the Orville is so much more human so much more down to earth I think that's mm -hmm. what is re resonating with fans. Yeah, I mean, I think he took a lot of the militant stuff out of it. Um, real people uh, going with real lives. Uh, you know, just because it's 400 years in the future doesn't mean there's, you know, no alcohol and there's no relationships and there's no um, jokes. And, uh, you know, and as you've probably heard, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a more optimistic look at the future instead of kind of this dystopian dark Blade Runner kind of thing, which I love as well. But this is, uh, yeah, I think that's, it is. It's more, it's a more like modern version of the future. I know that sounds funny. I, I have a hard time putting my own finger on it because it's, it, it is that, and it, it does come from the dialogue and it does come from, uh, just what, you know, what if there's Facebook in the future? I'm sure, I'm sure that's a joke that's coming soon. Cause why would it go away? You know? So I agree. Uh, that brings up a, a good point. Uh, another one of our uh, followers, Sam Shuckleford Beck, you brought up dystopian. She wants to know why in dystopian futures do we see no tattoos? Now, who on the Orville has <laughs> ink? Someone has ink, right? Uh, in real life or on the show? On the show. I mean, uh, Malloy's probably got Ed tattooed on his ass, right? You think? I think that's exactly it. But we're not on Fox. We're not allowed to show uh, the ass. And I, as an actor, just because I wanted to commit to it, I actually <laughs> got Ed tattooed on my ass. Good for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, no, I think Gordon, I guess, probably would. But, you know, I have a couple tattoos. Scott, you know, does. But we do cover them up if we're wearing short sleeves. So I guess. But that's different because I think we, on television, you cover up your own personal tattoos because the networks don't know what they actually mean and don't want to get in trouble. Like, let's say I had a, a horribly derogatory thing on my arm. And, you know, they're not going to, they have to, you have to cover it up just in case. You know, somebody sees it, but uh, I would say, yeah, Gordon. Uh, I don't know about Ed on his ass, but I mean, that's that's a drunken night, I guess. Well, yeah, <laughs> I, I've been ready to commit myself because I've already got like 
you know, the symbol from the Firefly, that TV show, tattooed on my oh, arm. Oh, you do? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to say, I thought you were going to say your ass. <laughs> Not my ass. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, but I am willing to commit, if I can, if we can get Seth on our podcast, to get a tattoo of the Orville on my body. Oh, dude, I'm on this. I'm serious. I am on this. That's a great idea. I'd do it too. Um, I would, well, not, yeah, I would do it too. If, if you can get, if we can get Seth on this, I'll get an Orville tattoo as well. Yeah. You and I will go in. Um, you can, pr- yep. you know, either my shop or your shop doesn't matter. Um, okay. we'll get Seth on and we'll get, get the Orville tattoo. Cause I've already got the personalized license plate that says Orville. I've ordered that. And I'm the guy in California oh, with that do? plate now. Yes. That's cool. Man. That's awesome. So. So tattoo is next. Tattoo is next. Naturally. Yeah, I'll do that with you. Yeah. I'll, 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 get, All right, we'll, great. I'll I'll help out there. We'll get him on the show. All right, let's get him on the podcast, and we'll get some ink done. Um, and there you go, Sam. Thanks for that question. I got now. I got to convince my wife to let me have another tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's something that you love? from or about the Orville's future that you would like to see in today's world, other than being able to generate a leg that gets cut off? Yeah. Um, I like the food synthesizer. Right. I like that. I was going to try to do this thing, but it didn't really spin. Uh, I, remember, I, I remember Back to the Future 2 came out. Robert Zemeckis really, tried to, to publicize the movie, tried to make people think that the hoverboard was real. I was going to try to do that over this last couple months to try to make people think that the food synthesizer was real, that we really invented it for this show. Obviously, that's not true, but that would be the thing that I would, uh, I would love. I'd love just walking up. There was an episode where I think Kelly goes Chardonnay, and it just it produces a glass of Chardonnay. I, I thought that that was a cool way instead of like, uh, you know, just futuristic food. There's still, you know, Charles Shaw Chardonnay right there when you need it. That, now that I like be, how you can. That would be yeah. Now you you've got bartenders on the Orville too, so they're not out uh, of work. No, that's very cool that you just thought of that. Like, why do we have bartenders if we have food synthesizers that can just make a Chardonnay? Did I just lose that's somebody? Why their you, job? That, <laughs> no, that's why you need me in the. That's why you need me in the writers' room. You need to be there, man. To point that out. You know, hey David, hey Brandon, we got to you know talk Seth into changing this. And I want to yeah. <laughs> see more Ralph Garman doing karaoke. Ralph, man, he's terrific. Poor, you know, poor Ralph in a little bit of a way because he had this uh, prosthetic, and I had done prosthetics for a previous episode with Seth and I with the, as the Krill. But Ralph had to do something really weird because he had to cover up his eyes because so, the uh, the eyeballs of the creature were above the thing and so they had to cover up his eyes he couldn't see so not only does he have this giant thing on his head that's very kind of restricting and claustrophobic he, he he had to cover up his eyes so now his ears are covered his eyes are covered most of his senses are covered and he it's just i think he had a teeny bit of a freak out he, he'll be happy to, to talk about this but uh and you know kind of ripped it off for a second and then they in between takes they had to you know kind of sit you know bail him out of it because it was not easy but that guy's awesome, man. I, I don't know if I could have done that. Yeah, I, I, I know Ralph. He, we've tried to work on a couple of projects before. He's a great guy. And it sucks that, you know, what K-Rock just did to him this week, too. What'd they do to him? He's no longer on Kevin and Bean. K-Rock, the radio, oh, they booted no. him. Yeah. So, L.A. Yeah. radio well, just got a lot worse for us. Well, he's uh, he's going to be on the Orville more, so. That's what that's what we hear, and he he's promised yeah. to be on next uh, next season with us. Oh, cool. um, Michael, Joe, jump on in. All right, so I was listening to the uh, to this actually in the hour before we uh, jumped on the podcast, but I, I've got to know: uh, is there going to be any more indoor garden party shows? <laughs> Look, you know that, that that's just a dream of a bunch of guys who like playing together. Um, it's a very strange thing if you think about it. Um, guys in their forties and fifties, you know, and, and one girl singing, you know, making records and singing songs. Um, it really is, uh, you know, I would, we would love to, it just costs a lot of money. Russell spends a lot of money on these shows. Um, cause he likes them to be small and quaint, but then they cost a lot. We have tour buses and 
you know, uh, equipment and all that. And I, I would love that. N- nothing more. I would love it like a stint in Vegas for uh, seven months every you know night to do that show. We just have a really good time on stage, but with everybody's schedule, it's just, it's so, it's so tough. You know, it's hard to be an actor and a musician at the exact same time. Um, and it takes a lot of, if we want to sell records and if we want us to be successful, we have to, you know, we have to, you have to, you have to be on the road for a long time. So it's probably, you know, we'll probably make another record, but uh, it's just tough to, to, to tour that record. But I would give, I would give all of this up to do that music. Yeah, it, it's I I listen to every song on it, and um, I I do think though that uh, from uh, from here clear to the ocean is is my favorite off the entire album. Oh, thanks, thanks. That's the first song Russell and I wrote uh, together, and that's what kind of started this all. We wrote that, and then he grabbed this person, and we did Robin Hood with Alan Doyle, and they, and we grabbed him from that, and it was just uh, it was a cool process of a bunch of friends meeting at the right time and singing together. Melissa K. Norman uh, wants to know, when do you think Gordon will have a love interest on the Orville, and who would you want to play that love interest? And I will accept Russell Crowe, if that's going to be your answer. <laughs> well, if we're going to go over that, we got to be, uh, we got to, you know, we, we have to say, like, Russell plays an alien. <laughs> I would say, I'm writing, this, I'm writing this as I go right now, guys. Russell <laughs> plays an alien that has, that has both a uh, penis and a vagina, and Gordon falls in love. Maybe it's like a, he's a bit feminine, maybe, you know, whatever. Gordon falls in love, but he doesn't know what side he's in love with. Because then, so I think this is a great idea. I don't know if Russell, you've talked Russell into it, because we probably have to kiss. And that's, I'm fine to do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, th- uh, yeah, I think we have Russell scheduled next week, too. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. Ask him <laughs> if he's willing to have a fake on, you know, relationship <laughs> with one of his buddies. <laughs> no, that would be great. I think Gordon should, if Gordon's going to date anybody, it should be um, an alien of some sort. I think Gordon would be kinky like that and want uh, something, something strange. Um, and also, Gordon, strange, I don't think strange. should have like one. Yeah, yeah. I don't think Gordon should have one, uh, one love interest. Love interest. I think he should have many, like a three-headed alien girl, and they're all three are different personalities. I'm coming. Look at these ideas I'm coming up with, guys. I know <laughs> Seth. Seth has to be listening and just you know, or you know, turning your own script. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you brought up the episode where you were at the krill makeup. How did you get? How did you get away with being able to keep your beard? I thought everybody had to shave their beards off for that uh, kind of stuff. I know we we had Patrick Cox on who played Justin the ogre with you in yeah. the first episode, and he he was sorry he had to lose his beard. The problem is, is, you know, I had to be Gordon, and Gordon has a beard. Um, it it would made it a little bit more difficult putting the prosthetic on. I had to put like more thick prosthetic on to cover the to cover the beard, but I still had to, I had to go you know I had to go back and forth, so you had to be able to see. You know, I mean, I sometimes went back and forth in the middle of a scene to just to show the how the unit worked that transformed us into the krill. Um, and I also, I have like scars in my chin from childhood hockey. Uh, so I ain't, I'm not shaving this beard anytime soon. I look like a dork. <laughs> <laughs> and that episode, the krill, I think, you know, uh, my favorite line so far this whole season is when Gordon gets stabbed in the leg and he mentions that it was a new leg. Now, according to yeah, David yeah. Goodman, that was improvised by you guys on during the shoot, right? Yeah, well, I think I I I look, I I don't remember and I would never take credit for anything, but I think the joke was when he stabs me in the leg, I might have said he should stab me in the new leg. And then somebody jumped on board of that or David said he should stab me in the new leg and somebody jumped on board and said and you know, refer to, "Oh my god, it's new" or whatever. I love doing that, man. I love, yeah, that's that's the show. Just come David Goodman is a perfect example of somebody who walks around that set with a look on his face of always trying to see what he can make better, uh, especially the jokes. Um, so if I have a joke, I'll always be looking at David. If David has that look in his eyes, I'll walk up to him and go, what are you thinking? And he'll go, yeah, and he'll, he'll tell me three or four lines. And then he'll say, which one do you like? And I'll say, oh, that's funny right there. And he'll go, well, tell Seth you like that one, or I'll go to Seth, or whatever. And uh, it's a great process of always trying to, you know, think of what, what's going to be funnier and 
Um, and then Seth's always obviously the deciding factor on it. Or we'll just try all three and see in the editing room what they like. So sometimes I don't even know what uh, what. But David Goodman is brilliant that way. Just always kind of seeing the best joke, not the funniest, like whatever the best one is to keep us still in the reality of the Orville and not be not just stupid, you know, stupid jokes just being said. Right. They can't all be dick and fart jokes. No. I mean, that's the line that we've been hopefully successful at um, that we didn't even know. I remember sitting when we were reading the pilot and John Favreau, uh, after we read around the room together, just as a cast, he went around the room and tried to define the characters and point to Isaac and go, okay, this is pretty much defined. And then uh, let's work on this character a little more. And, uh, you know, when he got to me, he said, Gordon's pretty much right there, especially in the pilot, but we got to be careful all of us really, but Gordon, especially that he doesn't take us out of the moment of drama or emotion, uh, by saying something stupid. Um, so we chose early on to not really say, not for Gordon, not to say the funniest version of a line, but within the, like if I'm in battle or we're being chased by the krill or whatever, and I say something, uh, humorous, it has to still be within the confines of being scared or keeping that emotion or, you know, keeping being the helmsman and driving the ship. So that's been the line we've been trying to ride. And I think uh, I watch it and I, I really kind of enjoy where it's sitting, you know? Do you like being, well, I'm sure you like it, but do you, do you get a little bit more out of being the show's, you know, goofball or class clown? You know, it's my, that's been basically my entire career. I mean, I, I really, I learned a lot on ER because I played a doctor, obviously having gone to med school and having passed whatever I need to pass, but also kind of inept, kind of uh, not the best doctor. Cause, you know, there's doctors that are out there that work on all of us that got, you know, a C in school. So uh, that, that started me. Like I believe I was on ER just so I could figure out Gordon. To be honest with you, uh, <laughs> to, to try to be, to try to be a doctor, and also be stupid and dumb at times. Um, uh, so that's that's the character I've been working on for a long time, and that could be a little bit of myself as well. I could just pretend to sound intelligent as I'm not. I don't know if I'm doing it right now with you guys, but uh, if I am coming across as any intelligence, it's all pretend. Uh, so I've been good at that my my whole uh, my whole career. So that that yes, I I like it. Uh, it's a little bit it's harder, I'd say. I you know when when someone tells me I got to yell at somebody in a dramatic way, I find that way easier uh, because you know it's just it's easy to kind of emote that kind of that the volume and yelling at somebody. Uh, and the subtle humor is always again like a fine line. And how do you do it? And, I find you. I find the comedy to be a little bit more difficult, but but challenging and worth it in the end. All right, Michael, Joe, I'm hogging up all the time. Jump in. <laughs> I got a question, Michael, um, Joe. Come on, brother. You uh, do you remember who wrote the line uh, "Hugging the Donkey"? Where did I that remember? Come I think it came from Seth, but I remember it being a different. Oh gosh, I wish I could remember this. I remember it being something different or other things were something about a Twinkie or, uh, you know, was being thrown out there. <laughs> and, you know, like, like, like all good lines after you watch them, even at the time, we didn't know what hugging the donkey. We thought it was, it might've been a stupid line, like hugging the donkey. It just didn't make a any sense whatsoever. It literally makes zero sense. <laughs> um, that's the brilliance of it. <laughs> but, right. But that's it. And then I'm serious after the pilot, the way people were talking about that, we just, I remember Seth and I laughing and, and David Goodman and I were laughing saying, who would have thought, who would have thought people would have like whatever that even means. So that's Joe and I, the show of just coming up with that. Joe and I are campaigning to have all Orville fans called donkey huggers. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Again, somebody's going to find what it means and where it doesn't mean that at all. You know, we're going to get in trouble somehow. <laughs> <laughs> so are we actually going to get a bridge cat or are you the bridge cat <laughs> i think we have to get a bridge cat um but you know like seth's humor what i would think is 
uh, it won't be an episode about that. You'll just, we'll be in the middle of battle and you'll just see a cat just cross by the camera or something, you know, <laughs> jump up and, on the in console. reference. Yeah. To see who remembers that we said we were going to get a, we we're going to cat. And, and you know, that, that scene specifically, I believe, I believe we shot that scene almost last and threw it into that episode because Fox really liked, um, the kind of camaraderie soap opera kind of scenes when, you know, when there is no battle going on and you just turn to each other and bring up, you know, that, I think we should get a cat, you know, they really like when the, when the crew kind of, when the captain's not there, uh, was he in that scene? I don't even remember. Probably not. Um, you know, especially when, when Ed's not there, just having a conversation about cats or ice cream or, you know, strip clubs or whatever. Um, oh, so now that, we threw, yeah, we did it. We, yeah. I'm waiting for the episode now about ice cream and strip clubs. Dude, we're coming up. I'm telling you, I hope that Seth, are you listening? Good <laughs> shit. Um, now there was uh, you guys shot 13 episodes. They're holding one episode for next season. We all heard that, and we've all mm-hmm. gotten over that. We're only seeing 12 episodes. <laughs> Is shooting 12, 13 episodes enough for you, or would you like to stretch it a little bit more? I mean, paycheck side wise, paycheck side. Mm. paycheck wise aside is it enough mm. work where you're just exhausted after 12 a dozen episodes this one this one was this one was these 13 episodes were the hardest i've ever worked in my entire life and i know it doesn't show because you know seth came up to me at the beginning of this he had already written all 13 and you know seth's just, uh, uh, just such a kind great friend that he was almost apologetic and said Dude, after the first five episodes or six episodes, uh, Gordon kind of not disappears, but he kind of just there's nothing really about him. And I'm like, dude, I totally understand. I love being a member of the cast, whatever. Having said that, I, you know, I, I'm I'm watching the episode the other night, and you know, I'm in it a bit and come in when I I don't remember a day I wasn't working. So even when, even if you don't have a huge episode or you have a huge part in it, because we have a lot of bridge work and the camera angles that go into that bridge stuff is, you know, we, we block shoot that. So we'll do 11 bridge scenes, uh, over two days. And it's just, so it's hell. I mean, cause you're on the same set. You do it. You have to remind yourself, you know, there's explosions and there's other, it's really, really, really hard. Uh, and uh, I, all of us, uh, especially Seth, this was the most exhausting project of my life. Just, we were in overtime. We were our hours were crazy, but it, it, it shows now, and because that's the work that we put into it, especially again, Seth, uh, is work that usually isn't put into just your random normal television show. Um, but again, if I if I say having said that one more time, but I'm going to <laughs> having said that, I would do this show 365 days a year. Uh, maybe a two-week break to go to Hawaii and rest, but uh, I like it that much. I love working in general, and uh, it changes every day. It's like we're making one giant, you know, twelve-hour, thirteen-hour movie. Well, it, yeah, like you said, it definitely does show, and I mean, we've got a ton of fans that love it. I, we were putting this podcast together before we even saw the first scene. Thank God we love it. Otherwise, I don't know what or who we'd yeah, be talking right? to. Yeah. <laughs> We'd have to talk done, about. You could have done the, the, the one that you didn't like. You could do a podcast on a show you you didn't like. Like, why is it Orville on podcast? Oh, the, the, what's up to? with those guys? Have you seen that podcast? Know, there is there is a not. Is there really one? I just yeah. made that up. No, there's a podcast called "The Orville Will Be Canceled." Oh, that's sweet. By two Star Trek fans. Yeah, I mean, and we're Star Trek fans what? too. But you know, there's room yeah. for both. I read that article that I loved, saying you know you can watch both. You sons of bitches. It's so, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I I never, it's so funny because my friend Akiva, I believe is the showrunner or or executive producer. And I ran into him at Comic-Con. He's a really good friend. Great. You know, Akiva Goldsman's written some of the greatest feature movies, directed uh, a bunch. And, um, I'm in, I'm in the green room at Comic-Con and I'm like, Akiva, we give each other a big hug. And he says, what are you doing here? I'm like, I'm, I'm here for, with, with the Orville. And he, he kind of starts to smile. I said, what are you doing? He goes, I run Star Trek Discovery. And at this time, there were things coming out saying like, I don't know if there was a rift between Orville and, and Star Trek Discovery. I don't care. And there isn't, you know. Shark, again, no this, sharks or, in the jets? 
No, yeah, exactly. But I, I think it's gone down now because we're both completely different shows. And um, right. uh, I respect, first of all, any show that's working hard. And uh, I respect all the actors on that show. And uh, there, I don't think there's anything. I think people wanted there to be something, you know? Sure. Um, but they're, again, two different shows. And I would love, what a cool, what, who knows if for the fourth season, fifth season, we do a crossover. I don't know. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> See, I'm not, hey, man, I, I bet. You just heard it from me, and that's nothing. I trust me. I no, 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 no. Like, you're just, <laughs> you just made me excited anyway. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> All right, guys, we got anything else for Scott, or do we let him go? Uh, well, I, I did get a last-minute text in from a really big fan of yours, Scott. It's my wife that wanted me to tell okay. you hello from her. Oh, that's weird. She usually just texts me on her own. <laughs> 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 yeah, no. Oh, tell her hello. Tell her it's uh, you guys are great, and I, I appreciate this a lot. Well, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, we know you're you're a busy guy, and uh, just taking the half hour or so to talk to us, we do appreciate. Like I said, oh. we appreciate, and I can't say appreciate enough. Um, we're going to be talking to you let's next season. A, yeah, let's make it a regular thing. I would love that. Yeah. Okay. We'll definitely do that. Maybe we might even bug you during the off season, just because we're going to need filler material. Because we won't have absolutely any. Absolutely dig it. Thanks new episodes talk about thank you very much scott enjoy the rest of your weekend and we will talk to you in the future all right thanks guys be well how does orville have like all of the nicest people in hollywood (laughs) (laughs) and apparently seth is the nicest guy in the entire world well and i guess that you know that attracts other nice people so so yeah that was a good um all right so there you have it there is um the man himself scott grimes Lieutenant Gordon Malloy, uh, what what were you saying, Michael? About the Orville's got the nicest people on the planet, or the world, or that's the like, galaxy? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what I said. And you said Seth was had a reputation for being really nice, and I said, um, you know, nice attracts nice. Like I'm sure that's why people, you know, the, the people working on that show are that way is because you know I'm sure he likes to surround himself with with like people. So. Well, this, the speaking of Seth, I am holding Scott Grimes to our deal where we get Orville tattoos to get <laughs> on the podcast. I, I think he will. I think he'll do it. I, 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 we're both in the L.A. area. Um, you know, like I said, we'll use his shop or my shop. Doesn't matter. I've got one, two, I'm, as I'm counting them right now, four tattoos right now. What's a fifth? I'll throw one on. Um, uh, yeah, I've got like 11 or 12, so... There you go. What are you, what are you in that show, Blind Spot or whatever? They're not all over my face or anything, but. <laughs> um, yeah, so anyway, that was a great, great interview with Scott Grimes. Again, thank you very much for coming on. And um, let's talk about the last episode, New Dimensions. Well, my first thought, so a little peek behind the curtain here. So, like, I wasn't on last week's episode when you guys talked to um, – um, oh man, <laughs> I'm so Larry Joe. Yeah, with Larry Joe. Um, but I was listening to that episode. I listened to that episode after I watched this week's episode, and I felt so bad for that guy um, trying to dance around your questions about season two. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, Joe and I were talking about that too. Um, yeah, we were praising how we can't wait to see him in season two, and he's like, "Well, if they'll have me, and like, yeah, why wouldn't yeah. they have you? You're great. Right. You're awesome. You're, you're, we have, we love your character." And well, apparently, um, spoiler <laughs> alert, folks, he, he left the show. <laughs> <laughs> Although, so you listening to Scott uh, talk, it sounds like you know maybe that um, is not an irreversible um, story development. There, you know, we might be. I don't. I don't know how they're going to get. Um, uh, Jay Lee and Scott back together. You know, maybe Jay Lee goes back to the bridge. Maybe he doesn't like it in engineering. Um, and then, you know, that would leave a spot open for Larry Joe to come back. But uh, who knows? Yeah, um, that, that whole uh, when uh, uh, when he left to go join the, uh, the space station and the ensuing uh, competition that Yafit thought he had was, uh-huh, uh-huh. was great. That's racist, man. <laughs> You're racist against Jello or <laughs> gelatinous <whatever>. beings. <laughs> gelatinous beings, yeah. yeah. I was uh, when I watched the episode, I, I couldn't help but compare, um, draw the 
similarities to wasn't there a starship in another universe called the enterprise d or whatever where the navigator left the helm to become the chief engineer yeah yeah it occurred to me as well okay that did that wasn't the only one that noticed that right nope all right yeah uh, so for those of you who might not be familiar with star trek the next generation the, the lavar burton's character also started at the helm navi- as a navigator and um moved to chief of engineering yeah so i guess that's the way to go to get into the engine room yeah <laughs> yeah be the navigator what are some highlights did you guys have from last night's episode uh, I'm, I'm trying what, to remember other parts of it other than what did uh, you guys what did you guys think of the two-dimensional universe that uh, they entered yeah, yeah that's what it was <laughs> yeah that was kind of <laughs> oh this is fantastic um you're I, it, gonna have to do a lot of editing there. Joe. Yeah. Well, uh, when uh, when we were watching it, we it, it was like, well, they just ended up in a in the in like a Tron universe. Yeah, it did. It did visually remind me of that. Uh, it, it, all of the visuals are really cool. Like, I mean, I love that. Uh, you know that that two dimensional world with all the I mean the, the pretty colors and the lights moving around and um, and even you know the effect of the ships entering into. Um, you know that anomaly is they would flatten and yeah. squish and then come out the other side. Uh, that was cool. No, I liked. Uh, I, I mean, if I were to come up with a two-dimensional universe, that visual is not one I would have come up with, just because maybe I'm creatively um, challenged in that area with thinking of two-dimensional universes. But I do love. I, I love the colors, the lines. It almost looked like a computer circuit board mm-hmm. yep um and it didn't have maybe i would think it'd be too i'm thinking too naturally for what it would be and i think the way it, they presented it, it looked awesome especially when the orville of the ship itself was wading through it yeah um, it, i was super impressed too with just how they were able to communicate visually like what was actually happening because uh, there was a lot of opportunity for me to get lost in in all of the the I, and I don't remember the techno babble that goes around it, but you know the the field they extended around the ship, and then having the um, quantum the bubble craft, yeah, the quantum bubble, and then the shuttlecraft, you know, pulling it with the tractor beam, and and all that made like really even how like the three dimensional ship is kind of interacting or intersecting the two dimensional space. Um, I just just from a design standpoint, I think that was really cool and strong and, and just it made sense like when i was watching it, it it i never was lost in trying to figure out you know what's really going on here um and as, speak- as, go ahead um as much as a lieutenant commander john lamar episode this was with jay lee it was also a very big captain ed mercer episode mm-hmm. yeah um yeah what you got you got what are your thoughts on Again, we're talking the Sam and Diane, will they, won't they type aspect of the show. I'm not asking you if you think they will or they won't. Um, well, I'm, I'm glad that that secret of hers is out in the open now, that that's not going to be something that they're going to have to kind of dance around uh, for the rest of their relationship. Because um, mm-hmm. I don't, I didn't, you know, I don't think it's that big a deal. And I, I think this movie or this movie, this episode spent exactly the right amount of time on it uh where of course it's going to bother him at first but you know as he thinks about it just you know for an episode then he becomes cool with it by the end and um i like it man i just i love that couple i love them like i don't even know if i want them to get back together as a married couple but i love them together yeah i well i think i would love any couple especially if i was half the other half of the couple with adrian palicki (laughs) Well, Kelly's an awesome character, and and you know Ed is too, and that's I think that's why, like I like them so much. Um, just they, I mean, you know, obviously she's gorgeous, and he's a good-looking dude too. But that's that aside. It's just I really like them as individuals, and and I like them even more uh, interacting with each other because they they obviously care about each other. They have each other's best interests at heart, but yet they're vulnerable and easy. To, well, Ed especially is easy to uh, um, it kind of shake, <laughs> um, but uh, but that just that makes it really interesting 
Yeah, and as planetary union um, officers, they're both obviously um, strong being captain and, you know, XO or first in command. Mm-hmm. But they, their characters also, we, we've seen the, um, I don't, I don't want to use the side weaker, but we've seen the not so strong side to both characters as well. I mean, the, you know, there are, there are self-doubts both as they're in their uh, in their professional and private lives. Well, mostly maybe the private life with uh, Grayson, but um, professional and private with um, Mercer. But there, there's a um, vulnerability. That's I think that's the word I was looking for. Yeah, that comes out of both characters. Well, and as strong, we never really saw, and you know this. We're going to use Star Trek comparisons for uh, from now until the end of this podcast, but we didn't see so much vulnerability with, say, the command uh, personnel of you know the various Star Trek shows. I mean, sure, Spock, you know, Ponfar every seven years, and he, you know, was big <laughs> vulnerability there, you know, aside, um, you know, but it was more when we saw vulnerability of the character is more reaction to events that happened to them but it seems that with the Orville we're seeing we see it more I don't, I'm not saying we see more vulnerability and again I'm probably making no sense but Michael usually knows how to interpret what I'm saying <laughs> no I think I get what you're saying and like you, you, you mentioned Spock like when you were talking about vulnerability my thoughts immediately went to Picard um, who specifically has to ask Riker to help him appear vulnerable, um, you know, or at least kind of help his image be softer, you know, around other people. Um, and we just don't have that problem with Ed. Um, he, you know, he just kind of, he's a great captain. Um, I think he makes great decisions and he obviously cares about all of his people. Um, but he also just kind of puts it all out there. Like what he's feeling, you kind of, you know what he's feeling. Um, and I love that about him. That he, there's not like this sense of uh, I've got to kind of put on a, a, a big face um, or put on a front, you know, so that uh, people will respect me. And that sounds and, like an immense insulting Picard and Kirk. And I don't think that I am. But uh, no, not at all. But, but mean, it's, it's a fresh air, a breath of fresh air for, for this particular captain and show. I mean, we saw a vulnerability and because I mean, I got to I got to say this just so the Star Trek people don't jump on me. We did see a vulnerability <laughs> to Picard. After he was, you know, a Borg for a while. True, absolutely true, right? But see, right. that was that was cause and effect. The the events that happened to him brought up his vulnerability. While the vulnerability seems to be there with Ed all the time, mm-hmm. and he channels it to take care of the situation or take care of the challenge. Yeah, it's right. part of his just. It, as he, who he is as a person, just part of his inherent personality, it seems. Well, and it'll be interesting to see if that's still the same in seven years. Like, I would guess it's probably not going to be. Um, right, you guess there's not going to be seven years? No, I, I guess there will be seven <laughs> years and a movie, at least one. But that he, he, we're not going to have the same Ed Mercer in season seven that we do in season one. I mean, why would you? You know, part of the fun of a show like this is to watch the characters grow. Um, so, just as Picard kind of grew out of that just, you know, complete tough guy, you know, stoic kind of thing. Um, you know, I, I don't know where Ed's going to go, but, uh, but it, it'll be fascinating to watch him. Agreed. Yes. <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> if, I don't know why it feels like to me that it is 11 o'clock at night, but um, anyway. Uh, yeah, so I know we brought it up, or I brought it up with the, uh, when we were talking to Scott, but uh, the, the bridge cat, scene literally had me happy rolling on the ca- on the couch <laughs> just the interaction that uh that isaac does just takes things to another level right <laughs> and just you right. see his you know his arm and his hand just go there and just starts petting malloy yeah. <laughs> yeah as much as i love malloy and um and uh and lamar together i i think i like um malloy and isaac Almost as much like it just they're, you know, they don't have the same relationship, but, uh, but they are hilarious together. Um, 
Yeah, that scene was great because we don't even see what Malloy is reacting to at first. <laughs> <laughs> and he just well, he just kind of slowly turns to see what's going on, and you know, with Isaac petting his arm so gently yeah. and so so soothing. <laughs> I I I I like how Isaac is learning about humans or humanity um, with these sort of lessons that aren't strictly clinical or by the book, but they're coming from a doofus <laughs> such as Malloy in the forms of t- talking about pets, um, yeah. pranks. Um, yeah, because it's usually just, he says something completely inappropriate or just kind of off the wall or just whatever he's happens to be thinking at the time, and then Isaac asks questions about it. And those are like my favorite scenes in the show is when that happens. It's like I always look forward to that. And they both both of those characters, um, Gordon Malloy and Isaac, they both say things that are inappropriate. Are you know what they're thinking at the moment? And two different, two completely different um, tones. But yeah. yeah, that's what makes them similar. Yeah, that um, which was in this episode as well. Uh, speaking again with um, the doctor's kids, whenever they're uh, they want to go, oh, right, they, yeah. they want to go on and and uh, and watch the um, the investigation. It was uh, it was nice to see Dan on. I like that character. Yeah, the, the character they named after me. Um, yeah, you guys didn't know that, did you? <laughs> they spelled it wrong. <laughs> they do spell it wrong. They spell it with two ends. But well, anyway, they, they no, can't I make it like, too obvious, right? Right. <laughs> I do. I do like that character, and that's you know they've introduced characters with one line here and there, and I like seeing them pop up more often. Um, right. It draws me more into the crew. I mean, they don't have to be in every episode, and they don't have to be major players in the story. But, you know, where's that guy that had the pillow made back in episode three? You guys remember that? Yeah. Have I a squishy day or whatever. It. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see him again. Uh, but, I, you know, that's... You know, it's a lot of work just to have you know put somebody in makeup again for yeah. you know that kind of that kind of part. But no, yeah, more reoccurring little characters like that, especially. Yeah, let's let's talk about that a little more. We, because we were talking about how much we loved Commander Newton, and now he's gone. Mm-hmm. So I'm afraid to bring up any other characters I might <laughs> like. <laughs> I have uh, a, a strong feeling he'll be back. Yeah. Uh, like uh, Scott said, you know, they, they weren't sure what their characters were going to be when they wrote it so long ago, but now we'll see, you know. Yeah. So it would be nice to see um, Larry Joe Campbell come back to the show as uh, Commander Newton. Uh, though I don't wish, you know, Lamar to get booted out of his job. But then again, if he's no longer chief engineer, I'm sure Gaffet's going to want to get It's all complicated, people. You got to watch the show. Right. Yeah. Now we got drama. Ah. What else we got, guys? Uh, we had Victor Garber in this episode again, which was awesome. Oh yeah, he's one of your favorites, isn't he? Uh, yes. Yeah, we need to. I, we need to get uh, get in contact with his um, his people. Yeah. Uh, All right, we'll have our people get much. in touch with his people, and Joe happens to be our people, so <laughs> he's good. Get people. on it, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, I guess. Uh, wrap up um next uh, n- next week on uh thursday december 7th will be our season finale our early season finale uh episode is titled mad idolatry and general synopsis is the crew crash lands on a planet from another universe ed and kelly consider getting back together well, there you go more of our uh will they won't they happening yeah Right there in the season finale, huh? Uh, are we going to get cliffhanger? You think? Um, I well, because I, it was not planned as a season finale, right? Because uh, no, this season is one, they, episode two. 
Okay. Yeah, this one actually is because what we're not seeing is we're not seeing the twelfth episode, correct, Joe? Uh, yeah, we're not seeing okay. the the what was previously scheduled twelfth episode. That's the one being moved to uh, season two. Gotcha. So this was always going to be the finale, right? Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah, so, maybe. And then after, and then that's it. No more Orville for this season on TV. But we will have more Orville for you. Oh, I was wondering what we were going to do, Joe. <laughs> if you've heard ensign hansen already you're saying i've already heard first episode no people you heard our teaser our episode zero that was our introduction to ensign hansen because there will be no new orville after december 7th the following thursday the 14th we will have the short because we can't do an hour long episode sorry but our own fan production Ensign Henson and his adventures on the Orville, and that will premiere Thursday, December 14th, unless we get itchy and release it early. Yes, we hmm. usually do that. <laughs> the official release date will be December 14th. So we got, we, we, at least the people, the crew here at Planetary Union Network, the Orville fan podcast, are looking out for you the Orville fans and we are trying to supplement your off season with some sort of new version of the Orville for you unofficial of course and totally not endorsed by Fox yet <laughs> yet <laughs> yeah. Listen hopefully Hanson Hanson shows up in uh, season 2 <laughs> they get you and you managed to to get yourself in the writer's room. I don't doubt that'll happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think that. I think David Goodman was already saying that'll never happen. So, <laughs> so but I'm, it's not going to stop me from trying. Um, the writing on it's it, it's hilarious. It really is funny. So, <laughs> it, I, I had to do a lot of takes getting through my lines. Um. So, and then, um, in the, in the new year, like I said, we are not going to end, um, planetary union network while the Orville is off the air, uh, waiting for season two. We are still going to continue with the aforementioned, uh, Ensign Hansen episodes. They won't be weekly, but they'll pop up here and there throughout the new year until season two begins on television. And we will also be presenting uh, new episodes of Planetary Union Network, the Orville Fan Podcast, when and if we have more Orville stuff to talk about. Uh, we will still pursue to get guests to come on and talk about the Orville, because uh, hopefully we'll get more time to have some of the regular cast be able to come on at the time, because what they're not doing anything except waiting around for s- season two to start filming, right, guys? Yeah, they don't do anything but wait, right? Yeah, that's a hiatus. They're just sitting around, you know, you know, rolling around in their cash <laughs> with nothing better than to talk to three yahoos about their TV show. So uh, we will continue, and we're going to talk to you know some super fans. And uh, if something new breaks out about the Orville, we will be uh, on air with a new podcast to talk about it. Yeah, like. The new book coming out in January, The World of the Orville from Titan Books. Yeah, there is a new book coming out. We've mentioned it a few times. And uh, Dan, you've got some some news surrounding that. We are hopefully going to get a, a uh, an advanced look at the book. We've been talking to Titan Books. And uh, we're going to take a look at it, and we are, will also be giving away a handful of free copies to our listeners. Um, we don't know how we're going to be doing this giveaway quite yet, but you are going to want to remain listening to... This is our bribe uh, for your chance to win a free copy of The World of the Orville from Titan Books. We will be giving away some copies in January. And uh, next week for our season finale, actually, it's technically not our season finale, is it? The Orville season finale. Uh, we plan to have the Orville's costume designer, Joseph A. Poro. So all you cosplayers will want to be listening because we will ask him what the hell is up with that exact fabric that he uses on those uniforms that nobody can seem to find for their cosplay uniforms, outfits. 
and what's up um, with the orange. Yeah, and we're gonna ask uh, for Scott. What's up with the orange on a redhead? So <laughs> we'll do that for you, Scott. We got your back, Scott. Okay, and uh, I, I, I really hope Michael's been studying up on an, on the show notes because I'm going to throw it back at you again <laughs> for the Twitter and Facebook <laughs> pitch. <laughs> hey, I think I can get it this time. So uh, you can follow us on Twitter at planetary underscore union, also at Orville Observer and at Ensign M Henson, and uh, we're also on Facebook at Planetary Union Network. Good job, Michael. And we're Thanks. very close to a thousand followers on Twitter right now. Very yes. close. So. so if Scott doesn't fucking put us over the edge on that one, we'll never have him on again. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But I'll still go get tattoos with you, Scott. <laughs> and I think that is it for this week. And I'm still calling everybody donkey hug donkey hugging arborists. Good night, Joe.